Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is to see everyone attend church and hear from God daily through His Word. The Bible reveals God's responses to various situations, and through daily devotions, we can reshape our thought patterns, transform our minds, and become more Christ-like. Join us here every Monday through Friday as different pastors and leaders from Fusion Church provide insightful devotions and teachings based on the day's scripture. For the current SOAP reading plan, visit fusionchurch.cc soap and join us as we deepen our understanding and relationship with God. Father, we just want to pause before we get into your word. Uh, Lord, just to open our hearts and our spirits to you. We believe you're a God who speaks. And Lord, as we would look at the scriptures today, Lord, I pray that you would just open our, our ears to be able to hear, Lord, what, what are you trying to say to us as a group? But even more importantly, Lord, what are you trying to say to us individually? Uh, so Lord, as we look at these scriptures, uh, give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear your message. And Lord, not just to hear it, but then to apply it and to put it into action. So, Father, we come with an expectant heart to meet you through your word. And it's in your name we ask you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Yeah, you can lift your hands. Why not? Let's celebrate a little bit here. So, 1 Kings 19, verses 1 to 10. Now, Abe had told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. The Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and even more if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And Elijah was afraid and arose and ran for his life. And he came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, it's enough now, Lord, take my life, for I am not better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a juniper tree. And behold, there was an angel touching him. And he said to him, arise, eat. Then he looked and behold, there was at his head a bread cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate, and he drank, and he lay down again. The angel of the Lord came a second time, touched him, and said, Arise, eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he rose and ate and drank, went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. Then he came there to a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the sons of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, torn down thine altars, and killed thy prophets with the sword. And I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Amen. Amen. Okay, so what I want to do is before I center in here on 1 Kings 19, I want to give you some background on Elijah, uh, because it'll set the stage for chapter 19. I want you to see what a mighty, anointed man of God Elijah 
is. So flip back, if you would, to 1 Kings and chapter 17. This is where Elijah comes on the scene, where we meet him first in the Bible. And I thought it would be kind of neat to be able to look at this just a little bit. So this is 1 Kings 17. I want to read 1 to 10 to give you some background. Now Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the settlers of Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, surely there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Go away from here, turn eastward, hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. In other words, God knows this is going to tick Ahab off. So he says, basically, Elijah, you know, get out of the action here. Get out of the way. Uh, so he goes, verse 4, and it shall be that you shall drink of the brook. I have commanded the ravens to provide for you there. So he went and he did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and he lived by the brook Cherith, which is east of Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he would drink from the brook. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon. Stay there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and he went to Zarephath. So just real quick, what I think is really important, and we're going to tie this up at the end of the study today. It's so important to be able to hear the word of the Lord. It's so central to our walk with him. And you can see right here in the very beginning of his ministry, God told him to do something. And verse five, and he went and he did according to what God told him to do. He heard and he did. And then again, uh, same situation in verse eight, the word of the Lord came, go to Zarephath, and he goes. So very important. He's hearing God and he's obeying God. So as he's going, he runs into a widow. Uh, the widow is having issues to having her needs met. He supernaturally allows bread to be multiplied. Reminds me kind of a little bit of Jesus in the New Testament. So he's providing for the widow, but all of a sudden things go bad and the widow's son dies. Not a good picture at all. And then uh, I just want you to see what a great man he is because he literally raises through the power of the spirit, the boy up. Look at uh, 1 Kings 17, 19. Uh, and the boy's dead, and Elijah says to the, the mom, give me your son. Then he took him from her bosom, carried him to the upper room where he was living, laid on his own bed. He called to the Lord and said, oh, Lord, my God, hast thou also brought calamity to the widow with whom I am staying by causing your son to die? Interesting, look what he does. Then he stretched himself upon the child three times, called to the Lord and said, oh, Lord, my God, I pray thee, let this child's life return to him. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child returned to him, and he revived. Now, that's, that is pretty cool. There is a mighty man of God, anointed by the Spirit, doing exactly what God said, and a miracle occurs. Now, we're going to see another miracle, again, of Elijah, as you look at 1 Kings 18, uh, basically what happens here, Ahab, the Israelite king, is going down the tubes. He's leading the Israelite nation into pagan worship of Baal. 
God's not happy about that. So God basically tells Elijah, hey, you go and you confront Ahab and tell him what he's doing is wrong. And he does that. Uh, if you look at First uh, Kings 18 and verse 17, it came about. When Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said to him, is this you, you troubler of Israel? He's saying, hey, Elijah, you're troubling Israel. And Elijah says, no, no, it's not me. You are the guilty party. You're messing up Israel. And then Elijah says this, I am not troubled Israel, this is verse 18, but you and your father's house have, because you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and you have followed the veils. Now then, send and gathered me all Israel at Mount Carmel together with 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of the Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. And I think if we uh, have ever heard some of the stories, this is one of the biggies because there's this big battle between one man, Elijah, and all these prophets, these false prophets. And basically, uh, Elijah lays the scene. He, he's there dealing with them. He says, okay, let's do this. Let's get an altar. Let's slay some animals. Let's put them on the, on the, uh, on the wood, but don't light the fire. Uh, and here's what I suggest we do. Uh, the prophets, he says, if you look here at 18.24, then you call on the name of your God. That would be Baal. And I will call on the name of the Lord, and the God who answers by fire, he's God. And all the people answered and said, that's a good idea. So we see the story there, and all the prophets of Baal, I mean, they make a noise, they're hollering, they're calling on Baal, they're just, they're just doing everything they can to get the fire to come down. But guess what? It doesn't work. Baal doesn't show up. It's kind of very embarrassing at this point. Uh because Baal falls flat on his face. But uh, Elijah saves the day. He calls on the Lord. Uh, and if you look at verse 33, I just want you to see this. Verse 33, it says, Then Elijah arranged the wood. He cut the ox in pieces, laid it on the wood. And he said, Fill four pitchers with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. He says, Let's just make it even harder. Let's pour water all over the wood because it's going to make it even harder for a fire to start. And then uh, Elijah's kind of rubbing it in to the prophets of Baal. Uh, he said, do it a second time. He did it a second time. He said, do it a third time. They did it a third time. So the, the wood is soaked. There's just like no way this wood's going to catch on fire. 35, and the water flowed around the altar, and he also filled the trench with water. They came at about at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came and said, O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, today let it be known that thou art the God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I've done all these things at thy word. Here again, this wasn't Elijah's idea he dreamt up, okay? Guess what? He got the word of God, and he was being obedient. He said, I'm doing this at your word, God, Okay. 37, answer me, O Lord, answer me, that the people may know that thou, O Lord, art God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell, consumed the burnt offering, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, 
licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces. They said, the Lord, he's God. The Lord, he's God. Then Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let any of them escape. So they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishram, and he slew them there. So I just want you to see by these incidents that Elijah is one dynamic, anointed prophet of God, moving supernaturally in the power of the Holy Spirit. That kind of sets the stage for where we're going to go here in 19. And as we're looking at 19, three points I'd like us to look at. Number one, human limitations. Human limitations. Number two, God wants to provide for our needs. And number three, it's really important to hear God's voice. It's really important to hear God's voice. So let's look at the human limitations. So let's look where we actually start today, 19. Now Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. I can imagine him coming back to his wife and say, you wouldn't believe what happened. All your prophets have been slaughtered. And how Elijah killed all the prophets with the sword. Now, Jezebel is not a happy camper when she hears what her husband says. Verse 2, Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me, and even more, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. She's threatening him. Basically says, Elijah, you are a dead man. I'm coming after you. You've killed my prophets. Now you're going to get it. I'm wiping you out. Now, you would think if Elijah can handle all these prophets of Baal, wipes them out, why is he intimidated by one lady? And he is. Look, look at the next verse. Verse 3. And Elijah was afraid. He arose. He ran for his life. And he came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. And he left his servant there. Elijah begins to panic. And, and I scratch my head saying, Elijah, what's the scoop? One minute. I mean, you're bold. I mean, as bold as you can be, wiping out all these, these evil prophets, and yet there's one woman, and you cave into her. Like, what is the scoop here? And, and I think there's a couple things we can learn from this situation. Number one, when there's a high in our lives, it's almost always followed by a low, okay? And I think we've all had that where you get an adrenaline run. I mean, you are pumped up, and I tell you, I bet the adrenaline was flowing with Elijah on those prophets. I, he is fired up. Uh, he is high as a kite. He's moving boldly in the Lord. Uh, and again, we all have that. I would think Pastor Brennan, after three services on a Sunday, he's wired. I mean, he is fired. The adrenaline's rolling. He's full speed ahead. But we need to realize, and I, I've had this experience, I'm sure each of us have at times, where we have got so high and we've expended so much energy, there's a swing and there's a low and there's a drop the next day. Why? Because number one, we're physically exhausted. Number two, 
we're emotionally wiped out. And number three, probably spiritually, uh, you know, because our body's tired and our emotions are tired and our minds tired. The spirit just is not as strong as it used to be. So I think we need to be very, very aware. And it doesn't mean that we're unspiritual if we have that swing down. It just means we're human. I'm trying to make sense of this in my own walk now, too. Sometimes I think we can expect so much of ourselves and not realize we're just human. And that's not a sin to be human. I don't believe it's a, a sin that Elijah began to have a downtime. He's human. Uh, so basically, uh, I think we need to be aware there's a swing. I think we need to be aware of a second thing. Do not make major decisions when you're tired. Let me say it again. Do not make major decisions when you're tired. Over the years, I've heard people that they're just tired and they're burnt out, they're exhausted. And because of that, they just go through a divorce. Or they say, so I've had it. They leave a job. Uh, you know, people sometimes uh, can do that. They can do sometimes even take their life and suicide because basically they're, they're not thinking correct. They're burnt out and they knee jerk. So, when you're very tired, be very careful, delay making any major decisions. So <clears throat> the other thing I think we need to see in the human limitations is at this point, I believe Elijah takes his eyes off God and he puts them on the problem. And I don't know about you, but I, I can identify with that. If I'm tired, and I think if you're tired, it's easy to begin to slip. It's easy for the problem to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And we fixate on the problem and we forget how big God is and what he's done for us in the past. So in the hard times, we can fixate on our health issues and, and our, our bodily issue just gets to be right before all we can think about is the pain or the sickness. Or we think about, oh, I, I don't have the finances. And that just it begins to be a nightmare played over and over in our mind. Or we can think about that relationship issue that's broken. Uh, all these issues can begin to spring up in our brains. So we need to be very aware that we should not take our eyes off the Lord. Again, we need the grace of God in those hard times to keep our eyes where they need to be on the Lord and not let the problem overwhelm us. So that's the deal. He has these emotional swings because he's tired. You can make snap decisions uh, and we can begin to slip and get our eyes off the Lord. Our focus goes bad, but it gets even worse. Look at verse four. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and he came down under the juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, it's enough now, O Lord, take my life, for I am not better than my father's. He is so shot, so burnt out that he says, that's it, I'm done. Lord, just get me out. I appreciate the honesty of the Bible. God is extremely honest about what happens in human lives. And basically, Elijah is not the first person or the only one that basically wants to say, Lord, I've had enough. I'm out of here. Take my life. Moses, 
at one point said to God, he's overwhelmed with these millions of Jews to take care. And it's like, it's better. let me go. Let me die. I'm overwhelmed. If you look at Jeremiah the prophet, as he's being persecuted over and over, at one point the thought goes through his mind. It's, Lord, just that's it. Let, I'm done. Just take me. And the other person I think that gets there, if you read the book of Job, Job is there too. It's just like, God, I have had enough. I just don't have anything left in me. I just want to die. I don't know if you've ever been there, but over the years as a pastor, I've run into a lot of people. Not that they've tried to commit suicide per se, but the thought has gone through like, I've had it. I, I just don't want to do any more problems on the earth. Just, Lord, get me out of here. So Elijah is really at the bottom of the barrel emotionally and mentally and spiritually. These are human limitations. Here's a human being, great man of God, who's sunk to the bottom. But the second thing I think we need to realize is that God wants to provide for us in our needs. You know, this hasn't slipped by God. God's well aware that Elijah's gone through this stuff. And I want you to know, no matter what you're going through in life, no matter how hard you may be like Elijah, thinking, man, it, it just get me out of here. Realize God knows what's happening. He knew what was happening in Elijah's life, and he knows what's happening in our life on the good days, but on those tough days that you just want to throw the towel in. So basically, uh, God sees the need of Elijah, and he provides for that need in very basic ways. Look a little further here. <laughs> Verse 5, and he lay down and slept under a juniper tree, and behold, there was an angel touching him and said to him, Arise, eat. Then he looked, and behold, there was at his head a bread cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise, eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of the food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of the Lord. So God says, okay, I get your needs, Elijah. So number one, uh, God knows our basic need. He knew, number one, Elijah needed to sleep. Okay, really basic stuff. He knew he was exhausted. And he said, basically, Elijah, go, go lay down. So <clears throat> I think that's not bad therapy for any of us when you're really going through a bad time and you're shot and you're worn out. Uh, I found that myself sometimes. I mean, you could just have a, just a funky mood, but if you get a long sleep, it regenerates you. And maybe even not just sleep, but just a, an amusement, do something just to relax your head, your mind, a jigsaw puzzle, take a walk, do whatever, but just do something light. So I think the Lord knew what Elijah needed. I'm going to go get a long sleep. Elijah, maybe that's what the Lord might be saying to some of us here that are just plain tired. Like, okay, use your common sense. Sleep. Don't keep pushing the envelope. Don't keep cutting your sleep. Don't keep pushing, pushing, pushing. Back off and recharge. So I think 
Uh, number one, God says, okay, I'm going to give you sleep, but then God provides food for him, okay? These cakes, and he provides water. Just basic needs of Elijah being filled, but it's kind of basic, but God kind of does a miracle because Elijah eats, but then it says here, as we saw and ate, he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights. So out of that, that meal for whatever a couple of days, he, he goes without food for 40 days and 40 nights. God does a supernatural provision for him. So, uh, so I think what we need to see is God knew Elijah's predicament and God provided for Elijah. Was it easy for Elijah? No. Is it going to be easy for you and I sometimes? No. Life is not a picnic. Even Jesus himself said, in the world, you will have tribulation. So just realize there are going to be times that you're going through it. But I believe God provided for Elijah. I believe he wants to provide for us. There's an amazing verse uh, in the New Testament of Jesus in Matthew 6, verse 33. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. And basically what Jesus was addressing that the heathens, the unbelievers were all wound up. Where are we going to get food? Where are we going to drink? Where are we going to get clothes? And, and the heathens were all in a stir and anxious and worried. Oh, how are our needs going to be met? And Jesus said to the crowds, he says, no, get straight, get your priorities align. Get right with God. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first to give your life to Christ. Seek to live a righteous life. And then God says, by the way, if you put me first, he says, coming in the back door, I'll take care of your physical needs. And not only your physical needs, as we saw here, I'll take care of your emotional needs. And not only that, I think he'd say, not only that, I'll take care of your spiritual needs. So wherever you are today, no, I believe that God does want to provide in those hard times. He did it for Elijah. He did it for Moses. He did it for David when he was on the run from Saul. If he did it for other biblical characters, he'll do it, I believe, for us. And the last thing is this idea of the word of the Lord. You saw a couple of those instances uh, before, as Elijah started the ministry, Elijah heard God speak to him that he did what he was told to do. And we saw that a couple times. But here as we're wrapping up, verse 9. So he gets to Horeb, the mountain of God. Okay, that's where Moses, by the way, got the Ten Commandments. Then he came there <clears throat> to a cave. He lodged there. And behold, and here's the deal, the word of the Lord came to him, and God said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Uh, and you're going to see tomorrow on the soap uh, in 11 on how God spoke to Elijah. But I, I just want to give a little prelude to that, and it's not bad to hear it twice, uh, that here again, God spoke to Elijah. And Elijah responds to what God says. So <clears throat> it's so important 
brothers and sisters, that we learn to develop the ability to hear the voice of God. Because how can we be obedient to what God asks us to do unless we first know what it is exactly he wants us to do? So it's, it's basic and it's essential as you go through the entire Bible that we learn to hear the voice of God and then do what he tells us to do. So important. And I think we need to realize it's going to take practice. Uh, we're not perfect at this. We learn. One of my greatest um, stories about hearing God's voice in 1 Samuel, we see that Samuel, the young boy, has no clue about how to hear God's voice. <clears throat> Maybe that's where some of us are today. I don't have a clue. I, I don't know. I've, never, I've heard people say, I've never heard the voice of God. And that's where Samuel was. He, didn't, he never got it. But... But as it goes on and as he develops, it says this about Samuel, not one of his words as a prophet dropped to the ground, meaning he was so in sync with God by the time he died that he didn't miss one word that God spoke to him and he proclaimed it. So what God did for Samuel, he can do for you if you're hungry enough and if you wanted enough to be able to hear his voice. That's a big deal. Is that a priority in your life? Is it a priority in my life? And just here, as we're beginning to wrap up, how are the ways God speaks? How do you hear his voice? Well, number one, <clears throat> excuse me, right here's the deal. First way to hear God's voice is get in the Bible. And I commend you folks, anybody that gets up at six o'clock to do a Bible study, I take my hat off to you because it's a lot easier to sleep. Uh, yes, thank you, Doug. <laughs> so, uh, so important to get into the Bible to be able to read it. It is the primary way I believe God wants to speak to us. And the more we study the Bible, the more we, we get the mind of God. God in the Bible shares who he is, what he's like, how he thinks, what he wants, what he promises. So if you want to hear God's voice, definitely Get a plan to read through God's word. I think another way God speaks is just plain common sense. Common sense. For Elijah, hey, take a nap, sleep, eat. Um, so common sense, I think, would say if, if I want to be healthy with the Lord, you know, I got to get proper sleep. Don't cut your sleep to, oh, no, oh, I only need three hours a night. I can burn the candle at both wicks. Baloney, you're going to pay for that. And I think if we want to be healthy in the Lord, we need to eat healthy, not eating junk food. If you follow what I said, just common sense, sometimes God speaks. Uh, I think another way God speaks uh, is through our conscience. So if you're beginning to veer off the path, I believe the Holy Spirit in us begins to convict us and say, wrong. Don't do that. Don't do that. So <clears throat> the Bible says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. So if you're going and about your day and you're, you're beginning to be disturbed about something you're thinking about doing or not doing or whatever, basically, it could be your conscience saying, don't do that because you're going to sin. Or it could be your conscience uh, or that voice inside don't do this because that's not what I want you to do. 
if you're moving in God's will, I believe there's going to be a peace deep inside of you. Uh, I believe another way God speaks is through circumstances. You know, sometimes, you know, somebody gets fired, they need a new job, they put an application in to five different places. Lord, I don't know which of these five you want me to do. I need a job, Lord. I need to have my needs met. Lord, I have no clue. Lord, shut the doors that you don't want me to go in. And Lord, where you want me to go, make that door swing wide open. And if you get four replies saying, we don't want you, but one job says, yep, come on. God spoke through circumstances. And I think another way uh, God speaks, and I think this, that to me personally, next to the Bible, I believe the way God speaks is what I would call intuitive impressions. Let me say it again. Intuitive impressions. I'm not saying thoughts, because when I think of thoughts, I'm thinking of the brain, I'm thinking of the mind, I'm thinking of the analysis, the logic. But I believe God doesn't speak primarily to the brain. He speaks down deeper in your spirit, on the inside of you. Um, the best way I would describe that is you're going about the day, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, and that's usually when I hear God best, what I'm not straining to hear, but when out of the blue, just a an impression comes to me, hey, go pick up the phone, call Bill. I don't know why. Why do I don't know, Lord? I'll do it. I pick up the phone, I call Bill, and I find out Bill just had a major emergency. And God prompted me to encourage Bill. And it was a divine supernatural encounter. So I believe there are those times, and you check it out in your own life. It's not a logic thing. But God just drops something deep inside of you, and you just know you need to do something. I think that's another major way God speaks. But if you're a born-again believer, and I surely would believe most of us surely would be on the screen here, you're wired for sound. Okay? You're wired for sound. Jesus said in John chapter 10, my sheep, that would be you and I, my sheep hear my voice. So, so the Lord, just imagine him looking you straight in the eye, and he says, hey, you're my sheep. Because you're my sheep, you're going to be able to hear my voice. So as I close, let me say this. The greatest way I know to hear God's voice is to develop an intimate relationship with the Lord. Develop an intimate relationship with the Lord. By having a time each day where you have that quiet time, just you and God, a devotional time, whether it's before the day starts, a lunch break, before you go to bed, but it's just you and God, just alone, having that time to commune, and then allow that, that devotion time to expand through the day so that your day becomes a devotion. Many times I think we think, okay, here's my prayer time, now I hit the secular world, and Jesus says, no, the whole, the whole life is a devotion. So. Give God the quiet time, but then live in that devotional mindset. And I believe out of that intimacy, we begin to hear the voice of God. I know with my first wife, Barbara, I was married 45 years. And in a crowd, if she would yell out, I would know her voice. Why? I spent 45 years with her. Many times you've heard stories of a mom 
and she's there in a, in a yard, a big crowd. But if her kid cries amongst all the noise, she knows the voice of her child. So intimacy is so important. It's so important. Let me give you a, a formula that works. And I'm not big on formulas, but this one works. The formula is this. Seek first. Before anything in your life, seek to develop a intimate love relationship and fellowship with the Lord. Number one, number one priority in our entire life, not just doing ministry for God first, it's fellowship, get to know him. And as you fellowship and as you get deeper with him, naturally, as you develop that relationship, naturally, you begin to hear his voice. And then when you hear his voice, do it. That's it. That's the ballgame. One leads into the other. If you've never done the course Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby, that's what he says in a nutshell. Develop a love relationship, a back and forth with the Lord. Talk to him. Let him talk to you. Let that be a lifestyle. And out of that lifestyle, you're going to begin to hear the Lord. And like Elijah, when you hear it, you begin to put it into action. And I believe, brothers and sisters, as we do that, we're going to have an amazing adventure. Uh, an amazing adventure that'll blow your mind because you'll see what God can do in you and what God can do through you. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you for the life of Elijah. Lord, a mighty man of God, so filled with the power of your spirit. Yet, Lord, we also see in this story, he's a human being. Uh, and Lord, uh, we're human too. So I just pray, Lord, that you'd help us to learn from Elijah. Help us, Lord, to, to have the intimacy that he had with you. I pray, Lord, that you'd give us the ability to hear uh, your voice just the way he was so good at hearing your voice. And Lord, give us the ability to be obedient. Uh, when Elijah heard you, he put it in action. He didn't delay. He didn't ignore your voice. He, he did what you asked him to do. So, Father, thank you uh, for the amazing plan you have for each of us on the screen. I just pray, Lord, keep us in sync with you, in sync with your purposes, uh, and Lord, that you would get the glory and the honor through our lives and through Fusion Church and the churches in the area and the church worldwide. And we ask you, Jesus, in your strong and holy name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, folks. Great being with you. Have a good day.